Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Thank you very much, Todd and Julie. Good morning. It is so good to be with every one of you today. I'm very excited about our time together. Whenever I get a Whenever I get to share at my own home church, Christ Fellowship, it's just very special to me. I get to literally speak around the world, but again, as I shared with you before, there is no place like this place anywhere near this place. So this must be the place, huh? So look at your neighbor and tell him you're in the place. Go ahead and tell them that. You're in the place, you are. The message I'm going to teach today is one that weighs very heavily on my heart. Uh, I love sharing with you, but there are some occasions, and this would be one of them, that as I share with you, um, what, I'm going to, what I'm going to give is, is very important to me, and I'm, I'm quite uh, passionate about it, because I know that, that it's the answer to reaching people for Christ. And um, in fact, I was, I, I was up at 2.30 this morning, one more time, working through this teaching and asking God to help me to help you and help myself. If you really, um, if you know that you have an answer for something that is very important, I think there's a, a sense of, of being very uh, committed to it and very passionate about it. And uh, I'm, it's a little awkward for me because I'm gonna talk a little bit about my journey, a little bit more than I really like to, but it's the only way that I know how to kind of transition you through what I consider to be a, a potential life-changing message for you. And I'm delighted to be with all of our campuses at Christ Fellowship today, but I'm gonna talk about how I learned to value people. And the reason I, this message is heavy upon my heart is I feel that at this time in our life and in our country, in our culture, instead of valuing people, we devalue people. Instead of coming together, we're divisive. And I think it breaks the heart of God. And I also think it's not Christian. And so if you'll let me today just talk to you from what I have learned in my life and what I've learned from God, I think that I have a, a, a goal, and the goal is at the end of our time together, you will feel valued by God and valued by others, and that you will go out and, and be a value connector with others, and, and, that you will, and that you will, instead of dividing, you will begin to encourage people to come together. And uh, we're gonna learn right out of the scripture today. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share, and you know what is on my heart. Help me to do it in a way that would be pleasing to you and helpful to all of my friends. They are precious people. They love you, and I just love them. And it's great to be back with family. So I give you myself, I give you this lesson, I give you my friends, and we just ask that you would do a work within me and within all of us today that has potential to be life-changing for us and for others. We ask in your name, and everybody said, amen. amen. I love you, let's get going. On the screen is, is the scripture, John three sixteen, probably the best known scripture uh, 
of any person that knows anything about the Bible. It's right out of the message. And, and I start with that as the foundation. So let's look at it. Here we go. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. I'm sorry, it wasn't on the screen, was it? Okay, what a way to start, okay? But, but you, got the, you, you heard the, you heard the, the, the passage. And, and the, the thesis today of the lesson is that valuing people is essential to helping them find God. In fact, if you don't value people, it is impossible to help them find God. Do not miss what I'm about to teach. You see, we have a choice in this culture that we live in today. We have a choice to either curse the darkness, and that's what most people do, or we have a choice to turn on the light. And we gotta ask ourselves, where am I going to be in my life? Am I gonna talk about how difficult this time is, and am I going to be divisive in my life, or am I going to, am I going to be salt and light? And we have two challenges. And the challenge, that we, we, in, in our culture today, we have two challenges, I, I see it so clearly. The, the first challenge is, is that we've lost our way in the area of values. Um, we have probably now at least one, if not two generations that hasn't grown up in, 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 in learning and, and living out good values in their own life. And then we have another challenge, and that is because we have lost our way with values, we cease to value people. I mean, we cease to value God's created race. I was in a conversation with a good friend of mine, Kevin Myers, recently, and he said, John, you're known for valuing people. And he said, how did you come to that place? How did you come to the place where you, you value people? When I talk about valuing people, I'm talking about valuing everyone. Okay? See, see, we have no problem with me teaching that it's important for us to value people as long as it's the people we value. But we have a horrendous problem valuing people who are not like us, people who do not have our values at all. It's kind of like, you know what, John, this is a good message if you talk about valuing people I like, but if you're gonna talk about valuing people I don't like, just remember as I teach this lesson, my name is John. <laughs> and I'm your friend. So here's my journey. It's a little bit more about me. I'm gonna to get to Jesus as soon as I possibly can, trust me. And by the way, when I give you my journey, uh, it, it, I'm uncomfortable with, because it's about me a little bit, but I'm also uncomfortable because it makes me look a little better than I really am. So as I talk about it, just say he's not that good. 
and that'll make me feel better and that'll make you feel better and because I'm not that good, okay? But, but my journey in valuing people, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate journey. And, and it begins, first of all, with my father's example. My father passed away last year on July 4th at 98. And my father valued and loved everyone. In fact, when he was 90, we were having a conversation one day and he said, John, isn't it wonderful that that as I get older, as people get older, isn't it wonderful as people get older how, how much more they love people? And I said, that's not true. I said, I know a lot of people, they're getting older, but they don't love people more. I know a lot of people, they get older and they're grouchier. I, I know a lot, I mean, the reason that you do is because you value people all your life. And here's what happens, as you get older, everything exaggerates. And if it's good, it exaggerates in a positive way. And if it's bad, it exaggerates in a very negative way. And my father was living a life of valuing people of which it was natural for him as he grew older to even love them more. And the greatest advice he ever gave me was when I graduated from college. He said, John, if you will value people, believe in people, and unconditionally love people, he said, you will always have people that want to follow you. And that grid of valuing people, believing people, and unconditionally loving people has stayed with me all of my life. Every time I write a book, I write it because I value people. I believe in them. I believe the best in them. I, I unconditionally love them. Every time I teach a lesson, it, it, I, I, take, I go through that grid. And it's my father's example. And the values lesson I pull from that is very simple. How I value people determines how I view people. Don't miss that. My value of people determines my perspective of them. Another way to say it is how I view things is how I do things. How I view people is how I value people. My, my second experience in valuing people was what I call my evangelism awakening. And that was in my first little church in southern Indiana. And there was a man in the hospital that didn't go to our church, but his two sisters did. His name was Jim. And I visited him in the hospital. The sister said, would you visit Jim? He doesn't come to church. And I did. And I liked Jim. And Jim liked me. And we had a wonderful conversations over a couple week period of time. Every two or three days, I'd go see him. I liked him. In fact, I liked him so much. And he liked me so much. He said, he said, John, he said, when I, when I get out of the hospital, I'm going to come to church. And I told, I told Jim's sisters, Jim's going to come to church. Hey, Jim's coming to church. It's just so good Jim's coming to church. And we got all excited, but there was a problem. Jim died. And I was the last person to see him before he died. Literally about an hour after I visited him in the hospital, he passed away. Now this was an awakening in my life because I realized that my priorities were wrong. I, I, I had put the church, which is a wonderful place to come, I put the church above sharing my faith. And come to church and come to church and come to church and, and, and we know coming to church doesn't change a person's life, coming to Jesus changes a person's life. And, and, and I, I, put, I had my priorities all messed up and, and, and God, took me through a, a, a six-month wilderness experience of was I, going to, was I going to value people and share my faith wherever they were at the moment that I could or, or, or was I going to constantly just kind of mess, mess up my priorities? 
I can still remember standing between the two sisters in that day. There was a custom in Indiana of, of viewing the, the body. And, and so the two of us are just there. And, and here we are. And I'm doing that. And, and I'm crying. And, and they think I'm such a compassionate person. I'm not a compassionate person. I'm weeping and repenting because I didn't value him to the place of sharing my faith with him. And he was lost. And it was life-changing. It was gripping to me. In fact, I only made one request at that time that I've honored for, my gosh, now almost 50 years. I said, God, if you'll just help me to, to be able to win people to Christ, if you'll just help me to be able to effectively share my faith, I'll never ask you to have a great church. I'll never ask you to, I'll never ask for anything else. Just help me to constantly see people through my life and influence company. Help me value people enough to, to help them and to help find them and, and keep them from being lost. And that was the only prayer request I ever, ever asked God in, in the area of my pastoral ministry. I mean, by the time I was 29, I had the 10th largest church in America, but, the, but I never asked for a large church. All I asked was to value people because it's, it's all about people. So people say to me, John, what is your um, first love? Is it, is it leading? Is it writing? Is it speaking? And I love all that, but that isn't my first love. My first love is, is sharing my faith. You that are here today on all of the campuses, I, I just want you to know that uh, there's nothing more important to me than to let you know how much God loves you and how much God can change your life and how much uh, beautiful it is when you give your heart to him but it all begins by the fact that God values you. And I want to be God-like. And if God values you, I want to value you. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss this. I don't, I don't want to miss this. So the values lesson here is just very simple. Value people like God values people. My, my third journey in valuing people is what, what I call my Zig lesson. And I call it my Zig lesson. Many of you would know this if you're especially a little bit older, but Zig Ziglar was a, a great motivational speaker, writer. And, 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 and I was, when I was young, I, I heard Zig one time say, if you will help people get what they want, they'll help you get everything in life that you want. And, and I remember I, it was a paradigm shift for me because as a young leader, I was trying to get everybody on my team and, and here's my vision and join me. And all of a sudden, Zig says, you know what, if you'll just turn that around and if you'll just go value people and help people and help them be successful, they'll help you be successful. And it was, a, it was an incredible change. It was, it was the moment that servanthood and serving people and, and placing people first became a huge priority in my life. And I went from people adding value to me to, to me adding value to them. It was, a, it was a total change. And through my life, I've had many what I call servanthood surprises. But maybe the greatest servanthood surprise I've ever had was this. I knew it was right to serve people, but when I started serving people is when I started valuing people. Okay, stay with me. If I see you as hurting, I'll help you. If I, if I see you as broken, I'll fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I'll serve you. Yes. Yes. 
You see, in the first two paradigms, I see you as hurting, I help you. I see you as broken, I fix you. I have the upper hand. I mean, honestly, I'm the guy that came in and I kind of rescued you. It's kind of like almost a, ooh, here I am to save the day. But I have the upper hand. You look to me and say, you're awesome. With, you know, probably without you, I'd still be lost. But do you see how it changes when I see you as valuable? When I see you as valuable, I serve you. And I not only serve you, but I, I relish and, and just enjoy the fact that I get to serve you. And why is it? Because I see you as valuable. And so the Zig lesson basically taught me, just always put people first, always. It's, it's not like a question, just put them first. And then another lesson that I had was what I call my, okay, I'll have to explain this one, my hot stove lesson. Mark Twain said, if a cat sits on a hot stove, that cat won't sit on a hot stove again. And then he said, that cat don't like cold stoves either. That cat just stays away from stoves. Why? A bad experience. And in my younger years as a pastor, I had a young man that had such potential, and I loved him, and I equipped him, and I trained him, and I poured my life into him, and I was naive. Of course I was naive. I was young, and I would look at him, and I'd say, you and I will do life and ministry together all of our life, and I was just given everything I got only to find out that I got betrayed, literally had to fire him, lost a relationship, and I said to myself, I don't like this. And, and I honestly, I said, I think what I'll do is that instead of embracing people and, 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 and giving them the benefit of the doubt, I think I'll hold people at a distance. And I think, I'll, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll hire staff, but I'll say, you know, that's your job, this is my job, we'll meet at the Christmas party. And for about six months, that's exactly what I did. And then, then I discovered something. I discovered something that really helped change my life again. I discovered the good news is if I help people, if I didn't value them, if I, if I didn't think the best of them, if I, if I somehow, because I got hurt by them, kind of isolated myself from that. I, here's what I found. The good news was that if I kept myself isolated and protected and walls, etc., the good news is they couldn't hurt me. But the bad news is they couldn't help me. So I made a conscious decision. Let them in. Let them in. Take the walls down. Value them right where they are. And the values lesson I learned in that period of my life was don't allow a bad experience to become a lifetime experience. How often I see people who, they've had a bad experience. We all have, we all have our stories. But instead of letting it be a bad experience and moving on, it becomes a lifetime experience. And we build walls and instead of embracing and valuing others, we have a tendency to, to keep them away. The, the next lesson I learned on values was my Enron lesson. And all I've got to do is say Enron. And many of you that are old enough will think about 20 years ago, 2001, when the corporate scandals began, where big companies were taking advantage of their employees 
And all of a sudden, the house of cards began to fall. And, and I was called to New York City by Time Warner, who was our, my publisher at the time. They said, we want you to write a book on business ethics because the businesses aren't ethical. And I looked at him and I said, I can't write a book on business ethics. They said, why not? I said, because there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. You either got them or you don't. Hey, and if you have them, they work in business. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. You see, leaders, the advantage leadership has is leaders see more than others see and leaders see before others see. And if I can see more and before other people around me, it puts me at a distinct advantage over other people. Now the question is, when I have that distinct advantage, am I gonna add value to people and value people and make their life better, or am I gonna add value to me and make my life better? That's the question. Am I gonna motivate them and move them for mutual advantage, or am I gonna manipulate them and move them for personal advantage? And out of the Enron experience, I wrote a book, Ethics 101. In fact, it's the, of all the books I've ever written, it's the book that got the most awards. And the only reason I can figure that out is no one else writes about ethics. But, 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 but here's what was powerful. I wrote it based on the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. It's a value, it's a beautiful value. And that's when I realized that values, wow, are above the law. Again, I, I don't know if this is going on the screen now, just maybe it will be and maybe it won't. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. I'm sorry, just give me a moment. I'm, my sense of humor is wanting to take over right now. And, and you have to understand, I, you know, some people say, yeah, I cannot believe what you say. You'd be more impressed if you knew what I didn't say. Trust me. That, that, then you would really be impressed, okay? So, <laughs> okay, here we go. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. And in all of its varied expressions, here's what I want you to catch. Here's what divine love looks like. The fruit of the Spirit in your life. This, is, this should be within us as believers, friends. This, should, this is the fruit of who we are as Christians. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. Kindness in action. Faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, above these values, for they are meant to be limitless. The values lesson is simple. Great values are greater than any law that could be passed. Let me tell you something. You can make a law in the land, but if you don't have good values, you'll still break it. We don't have a law problem in America, we have a values problem. And it starts on the inside, it starts on the heart. Don't, don't force it, don't force it, don't force it. 
Number six, my sixth lesson was the crossover lesson in experience. And this was when I've been writing books for many years and, and, and my publisher in Nashville told me that my books were being read by the secular and business community more than the Christian community. And I had no idea. I, I had never planned that. It was a surprise to me. But the point that I want to make here in this lesson is that the moment that I realized that I was influencing lost people, that I was influencing non-Christians, I felt immediately called to that world. I said, I'm going to cross over. And my model was the Apostle Paul, who so beautifully said, I entered their world. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. This is powerful. Paul said, I want you to know, I entered the world of lost people. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. And that was my commitment, to take Christ to people that would never come to church. To, to share the love of God to people that are never going to be in this type of a surrounding, that honestly... If somebody doesn't reach them, they're just gonna be lost. And here's what I discovered, here's what I discovered. The closer I got to those people, the more I loved them. Don't miss this. The closer I got to them, the more I loved them. You said, my job, that, that seems a little surprising. It shouldn't be. When Jesus and Mark, when Mark tells about Jesus going from the cities and the villages, what did it say? As he went from village to village, as he saw them, sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion on them. When did, when did Jesus be moved with compassion? When he went, went and, and hung around with lost people? You see, you don't get compassion for lost people in church. You don't get compassion for lost people in a prayer meeting. You get compassion for lost people when you go out and live with lost people. And it doesn't happen. We don't, we don't kind of mystically pray this stuff in. But the moment you see them and you see their hurting and you see their brokenness and you see their lostness, all of a sudden you just begin to fall in love with them. I, I, I had a, a wonderful experience right before COVID. A year ago in February, I, I took some leaders, some business executives to, to Israel with me business executives that, that I had helped share my faith and many of them I had helped lead to Christ. And, and when we went to the baptism, when we went to the Jordan to baptize, I've been to the Jordan many times, and baptized a lot of people. But on this day, I was an emotional wreck as I was in that water. And in comes um, Becky, who was a Mormon that I led to Jesus Christ. And then, in came Diana, who was a Buddhist, that I led to Christ. And then came Roddy, he came into the water and I baptized him, he was an agnostic. And Susan was a Jehovah Witness. And, and, and then there was John, who was a Jewish brother. And I'm just baptizing these people and I'm just saying, it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. We have a coaching company called the John Maxwell Team. And we have thousands of beautiful Muslims in our organization. And they come to Orlando for the training period and there'll be three, 4,000 people because we do it twice a year for new coaches that are becoming part of our organization. And, and we just love them and we just have open arms and we just care for them and we just serve them and we just let the love of God be in our life. And inevitably, inevitably at the end of the conference, they'll come to me. And they'll say, we just, I, I can't get over how much you love us. I can't get over how much you value us as people. And we have seen 
Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them come to Christ. But they come to Christ because we value them. If they don't like you, they won't like your God. What part of this teaching do you not understand? And if you're kind of on that deal, I'm trying to set the world straight, as if you're perfect. I go back to John 3:16 in the middle. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing figure telling the world how bad it is. He came to help get the world right again. Amen. And by the way, if you want to straighten other people out, good luck about yourself. You ain't so hot either. <laughs> you see, the closer I get to them, the more I love them. The farther I am away from them, the more I judge them. When you're far, you judge. When you're close, you love. And the values lesson there is just be intentional in developing relationships with lost people. Now let's go to the main thing, the main one. It's my Jesus walk. If you wanna be Jesus-like, if you wanna be Christ-like, it begins with valuing people. If you wanna be like Jesus, value everyone. I mean, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, let's go to lunch today. Everybody in the town of Jericho was absolutely appalled because Zacchaeus was a crooked man. Zacchaeus took advantage of people. Zacchaeus stole money from people. And they're looking at Jesus and saying, why would Jesus have lunch with a crook? Because Jesus said, that's why I came to this world. Understand this, the only people that had a hard time with Jesus valuing everyone was religious people. Religious people because he wasn't hanging enough around them. The reason he wasn't hanging enough around them is because he came for lost people. Let me explain something to you. When you go to heaven, you get to hang with Jesus for eternity. And you get to hang with Christians for eternity. We're only here for a few years on this earth, not long. Here's the thought, hang with lost people now. Share your faith now. When you get to heaven, you get to hang with Christians. Quit being so, oh, I gotta get to my group of Christians one more time. My name's John. I'm your friend. See, the town couldn't understand Jesus hanging with Zacchaeus. The disciples couldn't understand Jesus hanging with the Samaritan woman. It's a thief on the cross that looks at Jesus and receives grace in his last dying hour. I mean, the woman caught in adultery. What, hey, the religious people were trying to write her off. And Jesus, <laughs> and Jesus wanted to write her into his story. You see, religious, religion places lost people on the outside and we build walls. Relationships place lost people on the inside and we build bridges. Self-righteous people are seldom aware of their judgmental spirit. 
I, I brought this along if I can find it, yeah. Maybe this will say it better than I can say it. I haven't pulled out a laminated card for a long time. You have to understand, when something's important, I laminate it, okay? If I would have been Moses at Mount Sinai, I'd have laminated the Ten Commandments. And I'd have found and stuck them in every Jewish pocket that I could find. I just took it. This will probably teach what I'm wanting to teach better than anything else I could say. A man fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. The Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into a pit. The news reporter came along and wanted an extensive story on the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A Calvinist said, if you were saved, you had never fallen in the pit. A Wesleyan said, you were saved and you still fell in the pit. A charismatic said, just confess you're not in the pit. A realist came along and said, oh, now that's a pit. <laughs> a geologist came along and appreciated the rock strata of the pit. An IRS man came along and asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. <laughs> County inspector asked if he had a spatial permit to be in the pit. <laughs> a self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. The Las Vegas gamblers said chances are anyone could fall into the pit. Optimists said things could be worse and a pessimist said things will get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, reached down his hand and he took him out. I would hope I would hope that God is talking to your heart. And I would hope two things are happening in this lesson today. One is I would hope that we who are Christ followers would begin to see the big picture that we value everyone, every person, God's creation, we value everyone. But if you're not a person of faith, if you, don't have a relationship with God, I would hope that today, as you're listening to this teaching on all of our campuses, I would hope today that you would feel valued. Because I want you to know, God loves you so much. He gave his only son, Jesus. He said, son, I want you to go and I want you to live in their world Encounter all the things that they have to encounter. Teach good lessons. But the reason I'm putting you on earth is you have to die. Because the only way that sin can ever be taken from the lives of people is if I give my son 
my only son, for their salvation. That's what he did. That's what he did. You may say, well, John, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I've done. You don't have any idea the mess my life has become. I have no idea. You're exactly right. But I do have an idea of what God can do for you. And I do have an idea what Jesus wants to do in you. He wants to forgive you of every sin. He wants to claim you as his own. He wants to give you life more abundantly than you've ever experienced. And he wants to give you the hope of heaven. And I want you on all of the campuses, including here, to bow your heads now with me, would you please? You're such a tremendous audience. You have been so receptive to this message that I've shared. I wonder how many of you on all the campuses, including this one right now, I wonder how many of you would raise your hand and say, hey, John, I feel that God loves me and God values me. And I think I could trust my life with somebody that cares for me as much as he. And I would like to know God in a personal way. I would, I would love to, to know that every sin is forgiven and I would love to know that I have a relationship with Jesus. And heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this auditorium, all over all the auditoriums. And you'll just raise your hand up real high and say, I'm gonna raise my hand and I'm gonna ask by that that you would just pray for me. And you'd raise your hand all up all over the auditorium. Do it right now. Raise them high for me, would you please? All over the auditorium. There are literally on this campus dozens and dozens of hands being raised. There are, I'm sure, hundreds of hands being raised on campuses all over Christ Fellowship territory. Now you that have your hands raised here on this campus and by on the other campuses, pastors go to the front now. And your pastor's at the front there and he's looking at your hands being raised. In a moment, he's going to invite you to pray with him. In fact, I'm going to turn the service over to those campus pastors now and I'm going to just talk to the main campus here. You that have your hands raised, every one of you, look at me, would you please, if you have your hands raised, just look at me. I'm coming down to this main floor right now and here's why I'm coming to the main floor. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and join me here. And I'm going to ask for the privilege of praying for you and introducing you to my best friend, Jesus. And so when we stand together in a moment, you that have your hands raised, dozens of you, you that have your hands raised, I want you to slip out and come and join me on the main floor and let me have a closing prayer with you and introduce you to God. Let's stand together. And as we stand, All of you just step out that raise your hands right now. Come on, that's it. Just come on down with me. I'm here on the main floor. That's it. Come on. Come on. That's it. Come on now. They're coming from all over, folks. They're coming from all over. Come on. Come on down. Come on. Come on down. Come on. This is beautiful. Wow. That's it. Come on. We're waiting on you. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. Come on down. Come on. Oh, this is beautiful. This is incredible. 
That's right, they're still coming. We're waiting. Come on, come on. There's time. There's room. There's room at the cross here. There's room at the cross for you, my friend. Wow. Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so wonderful. Now I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to say these words out loud to me because you are about to enter into a relationship with the God who created you. You are, listen to me, friends. You're coming home today. You're coming home to the Father who loves you. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need you. I'm in the pit. You have to bring me out. But you can. You love me. You died for me. And you have forgiveness for me. So right now, I open my heart and I ask you into my life as my personal Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my life. From this moment on, I'm going to love and serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441 441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.